It's great to, to have you all here tonight. Um, this morning it was, it was uh, me and about 20 of my closest friends here, so it was, uh, it's good to be here with you all. And uh, we are wrapping up our series that we're calling Advent Conspiracy. And I'm going to hop this up here because I see people ducking around heads and stuff. So Advent Conspiracy, so far we, uh, we started it off with the idea of worship fully. And what does that mean? How do we worship fully? Uh, We stripped our sanctuary bare, no chairs, no lights, no nothing, and just sat around in a circle, had a big uh, kind of hippie fest with with banjos, or not banjos, but uh, acoustic guitars and voices and stuff like that, and it was a lot of fun. So we realized that what it takes to uh, worship, uh, what do we really need to worship God, and we realized not that much. We need each other. We need to be in uh, the presence of God and in His Word. Um, Second week, we talked about spending less. And we were challenged uh, from the story of Jesus who went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and challenged us to uh, overturn the tables of our consumerism during this time of year. And really focus on what God is calling us to and remembering in the, the advent of His Son. Last week we had a really moving uh, testimony by Jesse Sprinkle and James Harrington. And we heard about their efforts to bring clean water to villages in Uganda. Uh, and this week we kind of come full circle Back to the beginning, and our topic tonight is called Love All. And I think that, uh, well, let me ask you, how, how do you show someone that you love them? How do you show someone that you love them? Go ahead and shout it right out. How do you show a person that you love them? Say, I love you, okay? What was that, Grant? Giving something? Okay, that's a great one. Serving? Jewelry. <laughs> oh, nice. There's a man that's been married for a long time. Nice. Go to Jared's. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Accept their faults. Nice. Spend time. Listen. You know... I think if, if we were to wrap all these things up uh, into maybe a, a tight phrase, to show someone that you love them in a way that they can hear it, in a way that they can receive it, in a way that makes sense to them, I think we really need to enter their story. We need to know what makes them tick. You know, anybody read the book Five Love Languages? How many people have read the book Five Love Languages? How many people have read the book Five Love Languages of your children? How many people have read the Five Love Languages of your cat? Yeah, okay, that's, that's writing one book and marketing it and packaging it in 12 different ways. But it's the idea of uh, understanding that different people give and receive love in different ways. And in order to speak your friend, your partner's love language, you need to know which language they speak, whether that's giving things or giving praise or uh, the other three love languages that there are. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> we're, not gonna, we're not doing a, a book study on love languages tonight. Not, not tonight. We might do that some other time. Uh, so what are we, as we are loving all, as we are called to love all tonight... 
I, I think of the, the scripture that Jesus gave to us. See, there were over 600 different laws, 600 different ways that followers of God needed to do things or not do things in order to be right with God. And they're still there in the Old Testament. It's over 600 different things. And I, I really appreciate Jesus because he boils it down to one. He, there's other places where he boils it down to two. But here in, uh, in John 13, he boils it down to one. And I invite you, if you have your old Bible with you, please open it up. We're going to be in the Gospels primarily tonight. Gospels are in the uh, first part of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, we are going to be there tonight. If you don't have a Bible, there is one underneath your chair. And we invite you to use that one. And... Follow along with us tonight. So in John 13, Jesus is talking about the most important stuff, the really important things of life. And he takes all of the laws, all of the prophets, and he basically boils it down to one thing. Verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Everything that we need to know is in that one phrase, love one another. Jesus takes it down to real simple things because I know I'm a real simple person and I need that kind of help. When I, t when I think about how to love all. So how do we do that? How do we love all? How do we show the love of Christ to people? How do we just show love to our family, to our friends? How do we show love to people half a world away? And there's been kind of an overarching theme in this Advent conspiracy. Maybe you saw it flipping on the screen as you came in. And I believe that we love all by entering their story. You see, this is how God showed love to all. How many people like football? How many people watched football today? How many people saw, you know, the, the guy, the one guy in the end zone who's right behind the field goal, he holds out the sign every week and, and, and it talks about God's love. What is it? John 3.16, right? Every, every football game, there's at least one person there with a John 3.16 sign. So, for God so loved the world that he gave... He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved the world that He entered our story. I think Jesus did three things by entering our story. First thing He did was He left glory. He left heaven. Second thing He did is He risked all. His reputation, His life, everything. The third thing is he gave abundantly in it to the pinnacle of giving, the sacrifice of his own life. Separation from God. See, Philippians chapter 2, I think, really draws this out for us. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 right now, but I invite you to write down Philippians 2 this week, and, or right now, and check it out this week. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 says this about Jesus. That Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Jesus left, he risked, and he gave. He entered our story. It's the only way that Jesus could pay the price for you and me. And this time of year, I think there's, there's other examples of people that show love by entering sto- the story. In fact, you probably have at home, how many of you have a manger scene at home? How many have, have put up a manger scene, maybe on a mantle or something like that, or maybe one of those sticky things on the window? Yeah, okay. Well, you probably in your manger scene, you've got, you know, Mary and Joseph and the baby G there sitting in the manger, right? And probably there are some other players here in that manger scene, right? Who else is there? The shepherds, the wise men. Yeah, Mary, yeah. Okay, so all these people are in the manger scene. And I think that the way that these wise men in this manger scene showed Jesus love, showed him homage, was by entering Jesus' story, was by going to visit this newborn king. And see, so let's, let's actually look at the story. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2. And again, this week would be a great week to go and, and read the story of Jesus' birth. And then continue on here in Matthew chapter 2. And this is the visitation, sometimes called the epiphany. In verse 1, it says this, that in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And skip down to verse 9. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, these wise men entered Jesus' story. They left the comfort, the safety of their home, of their city, of their country. They traveled thousands of miles to love this little baby. Not only did they leave, but they risked all. And sometimes we miss this because we have our little manger scenes and and we have our, our, our holiday songs that talk about these wise men or we three kings of Orient are. And we, we really miss what happened way back when and what was going on with these magi, these wise men. See, these, these guys were very special. There were probably not three of them. In fact, the, the idea that there were only three comes from the three gifts that they brought. And that's where sometimes the story gets a little uh, changed and misunderstood. There were probably many, many, many more than just three of these magi. And who were these guys? See, at that time, these magi were from the Persian class of the Parthian Empire. And they had a very special role. 
See, the word in uh, the Latin is magi. In the Greek, it's magoi. And there's, uh, the, that's the plural, and the singular is magus. And you might have heard, you might have read in Acts chapter 8 or Acts 13, these other people referred to as magus, like Simon Magus, the sorcerer. And what these magi are, were, they were known, they were renowned for being able to prophesy or, or divine the future or different d- things that were going on based on stars or based on things like divining sticks and other divination methods. And so what their special role, we get our, our word magic, magician, from that word, magi. We also get our, the word magistrate from that root word, magi. And that word means king makers or one of their roles as magi, as these, as these priestly class from the Persian Empire was to make kings. They would literally name the successing king of the empire. So what's going on in Rome at this time? Well, you see, up to this point, up to the point of Jesus' birth, you go back about 50, 60 years, and there is this battle between the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire. And this basically goes back and forth. Rome comes in and sacks a bunch of these border states of the Parthian Empire, and they fall, and then the Parthian Empire has a retaliation. They come in and they defeat Rome. And basically this goes back and forth for about four or five battles up until the point in time where this event where Christ comes into the world. You see, Jerusalem is situated perfectly in between the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire. It's a kind of a border state with two very tense cultures on each side of it. And so when this group of Persian kingmakers come from the Parthian Empire into the Roman-occupied state of Jerusalem where there is a puppet king named Herod who was not born king of the Jews but rather bought his way in there and cheated and stole and made a bunch of people really angry and really mad to get where he was, when these Persian kingmakers come in, and there's not just three of them, there's a bunch of magi probably escorted by a cavalry that's protecting them as they enter into this hostile territory. If you read in that early part of Matthew chapter 2, the, between verses 1 and verses 9, it says that Herod was greatly troubled. And that's a huge understatement. This is basically a a border incident where you have an invading group of people that potentially could be there to elect a new king or appoint a new king. This king born of the uh, king of the Jews that was born king of the Jews, this this baby. And we got a bunch of other things that, that we... Uh, are all part of our tradition that really didn't happen. So the, the idea that there were uh, kings, in, in fact, was, is uh, from the third century that came in. And uh, that's taken from Psalm 72, possibly, that, that there were these kings that came to worship. And uh, sixth century, they gave them names. Uh, 14th century, um, tradition has them as uh, Balthazar, king of Arabia, Melchior, king of Persia and Gaspar, king of India. So suddenly these guys have names and, you know, all this stuff is, is really neat to think about, but it, it didn't happen. In fact, w- the manger scene that you have at home, 
unfortunately, the wise men weren't there. In fact, if you, if you know the story of Jesus, Herod, because he gets ticked off that these kingmakers don't come back to tell him where this baby is, um, and he goes out, and what does Herod do? He kills all the children under how old? Two. So most likely, it's about two years after Jesus' birth that these guys come on the scene. And uh, so, sorry to throw off your Christmas and ruin it for you, but, um, <laughs> but these guys left their country. They literally risked their lives to come find this child, to enter his story, to show him love, and they gave abundantly. They gave these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to honor, to bless, to show love for this child. And I think we here today, that God is, is calling us through this Advent conspiracy to conspire together to do the same thing, to love all. And we love all by entering the story. And for many here tonight, I think that entering the story can mean a couple of things. I think entering the story for some of you here tonight might be that you need to enter the Christ story, much like these magi did, to come experience the Christ child, to know Jesus, to be in his presence. And there's some of you here tonight that that's a, a new thing. And you are invited to come and experience this Christ to enter into his story. And it might be scary. I know probably as, as I think back on my own experience with Christ, coming to know Jesus, coming to surrender all to him, that was a scary thing. The idea of leaving the comfort of life that I know, leaving all the habits and the hang-ups and the hurts behind and risking surrendering my life to this God that I'm not real sure where He's going to direct me. But I know that He loves me. And I know that He loves me enough to send His only Son so that I could spend eternity with them. And He's going to call us to give all. He's going to call you to give abundantly. Give your life. Give what makes up your life. It could be finances. You might have to make some hard decisions with some friends. So maybe you need to leave and risk and give as you enter the Christ story. For others of you here tonight, man, we want to celebrate that you have already entered into that story and entered into that journey, and it is represented by this well, this, this water that we have over on the wall here that's now full, where in four weeks' time, from the very first introduction of this Advent conspiracy where we were worshiping fully together, to today, we have gathered together over and above what everyone normally gives to worship God, gathered $3,000 plus dollars. You can see the little squirt that's going out the side there. That represents the, the, uh, the over $3,000 that we've raised 
to give clean water to a village in Uganda where 200 or so people are going to have clean drinking water for the next 35 years. And we want to celebrate that. That is wonderful. That is fantastic. And that is you entering the story. You, in the next couple of weeks, as this water collection system is put into place, we'll start receiving photographs and stories from the, the village that is now receiving clean water because of your efforts, because of you leaving the comfort of giving gifts, of risking handing a $30 card to somebody and saying, Instead of a present, I gave you clean water in your name. I hope you're happy. That's a big risk. Of giving abundantly. And we want to celebrate that together. And I, I believe this in my heart of hearts, that there are people here tonight that God is calling to take even the next step. Now, you'll remember that, that Jesse and, and James, especially Jesse, spoke of just how his heart was back in Africa and how he wanted to be back in Uganda, loving these people, bringing them clean water. And anybody that's ever had a, a worship, or a, I'm sorry, a, a short-term missions experience, you can probably relate to that. You know what it's like to be a part of people's lives, to enter their story, to love them. And then, you know, a part of you stays there and your heart is bound to their heart. My wife and I had the privilege of entering the story of, of many, many people in the Czech Republic. And uh, it was back in the, in the 90s when the Czech Republic was fresh coming out of communism. The Velvet Revolution has just, had just happened, and uh, they, they were now in a, in a democratic state. And it was interesting to see what happened. You know, it's it just... You know, being part of communism, everybody had the same house color, the same roof color, the same clothes, um, and now they're coming out of communism, so people were buying paint, uh, the only paint colors they could get were these bright, bright pinks and greens and things like that, and these, so you could see that people were kind of thumbing their nose at communism by painting their houses these bright colors because everything else was communist gray, and, uh, and as we entered their story, we had the, the privilege of experiencing what it was like for them, what life was like for them, just little things that we took for granted. You know, we spill something on the ground, we go out to our, our kitchen and we, you know, take off a wad of paper towels and we mop up the floor or whatever. When we were there in the Czech Republic, when we sat down to lunch, we noticed that they would take the napkins, you know, very similar to our folded napkins, you know, the paper ones that are folded twice. And they would open them up and cut them in half. And everyone would get half a napkin. And that was because at that time, they didn't have paper goods. They didn't have the, these resources, these things that we just take for granted as people that live in a country that, you know, we can go buy paper towels down at the corner store, Wegmans, wherever. And that was our experience of the Czech Republic where we entered their story and we got to see how they lived and our hearts were knit together with theirs. There were a people where we were building a building and, and they would literally 
because there was mistakes in the building, they would rip out things like door frames and start over again because the materials cost more than the labor. And so we, we got to know these people. And we entered their story. And God gave us a heart to love them. And we very much still have a heart for our friends in the Czech Republic. And I think that God might be calling some of you here today. In fact, I know he is. Calling some of you here today to enter the story of this water project in Uganda. There are those people here today that I know that God is saying, I want you to go and enter the story and put in this tank that's going to collect water for this village. If you remember what James said last week, for the people of Uganda, the, the, the money, the help, the showing love does not become real until there is a person there that they can shake their hand, give a hug to, can see that person bringing that tank to collect the water. And before there's that person entering their story, it's just a fable, a myth. It doesn't exist. And so I think that there are people here tonight that are going to enter that story, are going to be part of the wonderful blessing of bringing tanks to villages and putting in systems that are going to bless those villages for the next 35 years. And we want to celebrate that and we want to encourage you and we want to come alongside you as you live out that calling to leave the comfort of your country, of your home, to risk going to a different place, a different country where you probably don't know the culture. There's, there's always a risk of drinking unclean water while you're there. But God is calling you to give all. So, how do we love all? We enter the story. And that's what Jesus is calling us to, I think, tonight. To enter the story. Not just any story, but the Christ story. And in fact, as we respond... We respond in a way that remembers how Jesus entered our story. You see, there was a problem. We were separated from God. There's this, whether we call it sin or falling short or disobedience or whatever we call it, we were separated from God. And Jesus came to pay the price to restore that relationship. And he, on the night he was betrayed, he takes this very simple meal and he says, remember me. He says, when you take this, when you break this bread, when you eat it with each other, remember me. Remember how I entered your story. Remember how I laid aside heaven and came in the form of a baby, lived a life, and gave it all for you. When supper was over, he took the cup and he shared it with his friends and his followers. And he said, take this cup and drink it. When you do... Remember me. Remember how my blood was shed 
so that you could have a relationship with God so that you could enter the story of eternity. And so, friends, by way of response, we're going to open up the table and we're going to invite you to enter the Christ story through celebrating, through giving thanks, and taking a piece of the bread and dipping it in either the wine or the juice and remembering the story that Christ has invited you to. So let's go to God and let's pray and let's ask, ask God's blessing on our time of response. And let's remember the challenge tonight to love all. And the way that we love all is by entering the story. Let's go to God. Our Father, thank you for this time that we've had to share together. Thank you for your word that shows us how your son Jesus showed love by entering our story. Thank you for the picture of these magi that showed love to Christ by entering his story. And Father, as we are challenged to love all, show us how we can enter the story of the people around us, maybe people halfway around the world, Father, for those of us here tonight that need to, are just feeling that draw, that pull to enter the story of your son Jesus, we pray that they would be filled with the courage of your Holy Spirit, that they would be able to make that decision, to leave the life that they know, to risk a life of unknown, of following you, and giving all, surrendering all to you. We pray that you would draw hearts to you, that, you would, that this would be a season of, of birth, that this, this, this Jesus would be born in all of our hearts and maybe some of our hearts for the very first time. We praise you, Father. We thank you and, and we respond to your word by coming to table and giving thanks and remembering your broken body, your shed blood, and the way that you loved us by entering our story. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we invite you to come to table. There will, the table will be open for the remainder of our time here tonight, and uh, so you don't need to form a line or rush up. Uh, as the music is playing throughout the rest of the evening, uh, you can come up at any point to break a piece of the bread off and dip it in either the wine or the juice and, and remember and enter Christ's story and give thanks for what he has done in our lives and in the world. Amen.